Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7 o'clock on a busy weekend of sport, a busy day in the Premier League today. The, uh, the shock result of the day, fourth place West Ham getting a 3-2 win over High Flyers, Tabletoppers, Chelsea earlier on in the early game. Good late win for Liverpool. We'll wrap up all the Premier League games for you very shortly. We will also talk to Cork City captain or now former Cork City captain Garrod Morrissey as he announced his retirement during the week we'll talk to legendary Cork City manager John Caulfield about his new book Rebel Heart and Tomás Mulcahy will be joining us to speak about the legendary Cork hurler Shawnee O'Leary who sadly passed away earlier on this week all that and more to come between now and 7 o'clock here on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM Yeah, good evening and welcome to the show. It is the Big Red Bench on a busy Saturday of sport here. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7 o'clock. And as I mentioned, we've got lots on the show this evening. It is a good one for Cork City fans on the show tonight because we are joined by two absolute legends of Cork City Football Club. We'll be joined later on by legendary Cork City manager, Cork City's most successful ever manager, um, also Cork City's record appearance holder as a player, and also Cork City's record goal scorer. This man, he has all those titles. It is, of course, John Caulfield. And John Caulfield has a brand new book out for the Christmas period. It is uh, Rebel Heart, and it documents, I suppose, all of John's great days with Cork City as a player uh, through the 80s, through the 90s, uh, up into the early noughties as a player and all the success he had and some great stories uh, as a player there um, through the league win in 1993 with Cork City right through the uh, the cup win in 1998 and many great European trips. He's going to reflect on some great trips to the likes of Munich and uh, to the likes of uh, Moscow and these kind of places as well with us later on in the show and he's also of course going to talk about his great success as a manager with Cork City um, from 2014 up to 2019 a really successful five years is Cork City's most successful period in their history um, of course culminating in that cup win in 2016 and then going on to win Cork City FC's first ever double um, in 2017 with uh, the league title and of course the FAI Cup um, so a great couple of years for John Caulfield at Cork City and he will be joining us to talk about his new book Rebel Heart later on in this show another man who was part of that glory period a huge part of that glory period for Cork City FC was of course Garrod Morrissey and he's been club captain at Cork City for the last couple of years and he made a surprise a very surprise announcement during the week uh, posting on his social media on his Instagram and his Twitter that he is retiring from professional football I don't think anybody saw this coming because Garrod is only 30 years of age but he has announced his retirement from League of Ireland football he'll be telling us why he's retired uh, reflecting on his career with Cork City and also I suppose looking ahead to what the future holds for him uh, personally and professionally as well so looking forward to chatting to Garrod Morrissey another Cork City legend later on in the show very soon we're going to um, chat Gaelic games as well and it has been a a sad week really in Cork GAA circles with the the very sad passing of Cork hurling legend Shawnee O'Leary Shawnee passed away earlier on this week at just the age of 60 
nine and he had great success with Cork during the the 70s and the 80s I suppose the three in a row in the 70s would be the highlight uh, the three All-Irelands in a row from 76 to 78 fantastic and Sean O'Leary played a huge part in that which was a part of a, a fantastic Cork hurling team what was a real glory period for Cork hurling and we'll be joined to reflect on Sean O'Leary's career and his life in general by another Cork legend Tomás Mulcahy in just a little while so looking forward to chatting uh, to Tomás who was at Sean his funeral earlier on today as well so very sad to uh, to have to chat about that but uh, we will reflect and pay tribute to Shawnee O'Leary on the show this evening as well so all that and plenty more to come between now and, and 7 o'clock on what is a, a busy busy show all centering around uh, Cork Sport and Cork Sporting Legends I think actually tonight as well but first of all we're going to turn our attentions away from Cork and, and away from Ireland for a little while and uh, look at some of the action in the Premier League today because it was a busy, busy day in the Premier League. A lot of games, uh, five games in total today. One of them is ongoing at the moment. It is Watford hosting Manchester City. 29 minutes on the clock there between Watford and Man City at the moment. And uh, of course, Watford beat Man City's cross-city rivals, Manchester United. The game that got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the sack a few weeks ago. Um, a 4-1 hammering they had of United um, about two or three weeks ago. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's final game as Manchester United boss and it cost him his job and and uh, that's not going to happen today because literally as I'm speaking Manchester City have just scored a second goal and it is now Man City 2 Watford nil in the late game of the day in the Premier League Raheem Sterling had given Man City an early lead after 4 minutes putting City 1-0 up at Vicarage Road against Watford and now on 31 minutes Bernardo Silva has just added a second goal for Watford so it is Watford nil, Manchester City 2 in the early or I was going to say the early in the late game of the day in the Premier League but the early game of the day in the Premier League was a cracker of a game an absolute um, really really great game and a lot of goals in it as well Chelsea who were flying high at the top of the Premier League table or at least were before today's round of matches um, they were confident of continuing that form I think away to West Ham but West Ham obviously having a great season themselves they lie in fourth and uh, it was back and forth today it finished 3-2 in favour of West Ham and a massive win for West Ham against Chelsea a really really big win for the Hammers and uh, David Moyes uh, signalling they are very very serious now about getting into the top four and possibly qualifying for the Champions League could West Ham play in the Champions League next season imagine it um, well we'll have to wait and see how that pans out over the course of the season because kind of just a few points behind them you've got Arsenal and Spurs and Man United who have all eyes on that uh, fourth spot as well but let's see and reflect on some of the action at the London Stadium today and Guy Swindles was there watching West Ham beat Chelsea for us West Ham 3 Chelsea 2 I'm forever blowing bubbles ringing out in the stadium Chelsea dominated the first half they were superb Thiago Silva and Mason Mount scoring in that first period but in between there was a mistake by Jorginho and Mendy that allowed a penalty to be given that Lanzini took joyfully in the second half West Ham much more in it they got level through Jared Bowen's fine left foot strike from the edge of the area and then won it in bizarre circumstances and Arthur Masuaku looked for all the world as if he was just slinging across in hopefully but instead it crept in at the near post catching Mendy in the Chelsea goal completely by surprise Bowen missed another wonderful opportunity West Ham 3 Chelsea 2 
Some win for West Ham beating Chelsea 3-2 in the first game of the Premier League today at the London Stadium and afterwards uh, boss uh, Chelsea boss Thomas Tuchel he wasn't happy with how his team surrendered the lead so cheaply. What we clearly see is that we give easy goals away and this is very unusual. We make big mistakes that lead to big chances and lead to easy goals and uh, we do this now since three match days like against Man United, Watford and again today. Yeah, so he's not a happy man there, Thomas Tuchel, after Chelsea were beaten by um, by West Ham today. A cracker of a game, it really, really was. And that puts West Ham on 27 points. Now, they're four points ahead of Arsenal, um, uh, five ahead of T- Tottenham, and they're actually six points ahead of Man United now, but they do all of games in hand, uh, Arsenal, Spurs and Manchester United. So uh, there is ground to make up there on on West Ham, but uh, West Ham definitely have eyes in the top four. I mean, would they have eyes on, on possibly pushing on and having a crack off the league? Probably not. It looks like... Uh, Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea the top three are probably that little bit out of reach for anyone else in the Premier League this season but um, that defeat for Chelsea they were top of the league going into that game and going into all the games today meant that there was an opportunity for Liverpool to move ahead of them and go top of the league and now Man City can move ahead of Liverpool uh, if they hang on and win at Watford as well but Liverpool were up against Wolves today and it looked for a long time that Liverpool weren't going to take advantage of Chelsea's defeat and move to the top of the uh, of the Premier League. And uh, they made a bit of a dog's dinner of it against Wolves, really. But they did get a late, late 1-0 win. And Josh Smith was at Molyneux for us. Wolves nil, Liverpool won. One of those games where Liverpool deserved to win, but Wolves didn't deserve to lose. They've defended impeccably throughout the 98 minutes in total. But Liverpool did have chances. In the first half, Trent Alexander-Arnold volleyed over from around eight yards out. Diogo Jota put a header wide. It looked like a free header at the far post. Thiago in the second half had two bites at the cherry. The first one off the line by Jimenez. Back to him. The second one off the line by the feet of Dissar. And then Diogo Jota really should have done better with this chance. The goalkeeper came out of the box, Dissar. He hit his own player trying to clear the ball in size. Cody on the line had Diogo Jota staring down at him one-on-one. Smashed it straight at Conor Cody, who managed to keep it out of the net. In the end, it was Divock Origi, the super sub who scored in the 95th minute a long ball down the right hand side Mo Salah played it into him at the edge of the box he turned and shot into the corner to give Liverpool a slender late lead Wolves nil, Liverpool 1 the 95th minute by the skin of their teeth Liverpool moved top of the Premier League table ahead of Chelsea putting them at 34 points a point ahead of Chelsea's 33 and after the game Jurgen Klopp the Liverpool manager obviously a very happy man with that win and he says it was a tough game in tricky conditions wind makes football really difficult and today especially for the dominant side it makes it really difficult we missed a lot of chances and we had to defend the counter-attacks of Wolves with an incredibly <laughs> quick and um, so that was was the challenge today that was the challenge and they managed to pull it off thanks to that late late 95th minute winner from Divock Origi and uh, as I said that did put Liverpool top of the league but as it stands now actually they are in second place because Man City 2-0 up against Watford in their game in the Premier League as well and uh, that would put Man City on 35 points they'd be a point ahead of Liverpool and two points ahead of Chelsea so like those three teams at the top they are just different class to everyone else in the Premier League this season and really really kind of pushing away from everyone else as well and it'd be very hard to call between who will win the 
the Premier League in the end Man City, Liverpool or Chelsea but a few other games uh, today as well one down the bottom of the table this was a real relegation six pointer at St James's Park between Newcastle and Burnley Eddie Howe looking for um, drag Newcastle out of the relegation zone I suppose there's been all this talk about Newcastle's new owners bringing in big big money but their first task really is they have to try and stay in the Premier League that is vital really for Newcastle isn't it and today they made a step towards that they're still down there in the relegation zone but uh, three points better off today they beat Burnley 1-0 and Stephen Goldsmith was watching for us at St James's Park Newcastle 1 Burnley 0 and the winless run is over for Newcastle considering it's December they really needed this they dragged Burnley level on points with them while they're at it they needed a hand with the only goal of the game indeed Nick Pope's hands were involved he spilt the ball from what seemed a routine catch and Callum Wilson fired emphatically into the net Jay Rodriguez thought he'd scored a late equaliser for the visitors but the offside flag and VAR of course Save the day for Newcastle. First win of the season, Newcastle 1, Burnley 0. First win of the season for Newcastle and a first win as Newcastle manager for Eddie Howe as well and moves them off the bottom of the Premier League table uh, with that first win of the campaign and Eddie Howe, he's getting the Newcastle fans on side already and he said the fans at St James's Park played a big part in them getting over the line and getting their victory against Burnley today. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling, I thought again, the supporters at the end, wow, um, incredible and the reception they've given us all the way through, even in some difficult results has been exceptional, so today I was just so pleased for them really that we were able to to get the win that we desperately needed and it gives everybody a huge lift it certainly does now uh, one other game in the Premier League today it was Southampton and Brighton at St Mary's finished one all Alan Lewis was there watching for us it's finished Southampton won Brighton won a remarkable end to this game an equaliser for Brighton in the 8th minute of 10 minutes of stoppage time from Neil Mope collecting a ball after a free kick had gone smashing into the wall it came back into the box Mope was able to control it and hit it past Alex McCarthy to rescue a point for Brighton and Hove Albion. Armando Brozier had given Southampton the lead in the first half with a well-taken goal. He should have doubled the advantage after the break, but fluffed his lines from close range. It looked like Southampton would hang on for all three points, but a serious injury to Trossard meant we had 10 minutes of stoppage time, and Neil Mope was the man on hand to get Brighton a late equaliser. It's finished Southampton 1, Brighton 1. Yeah, so uh, that is rounding up the Premier League action for you today. And as we said, just one game ongoing. It is just approaching halftime there now at Vicarage Road. Still Watford nil at Man City 2. Plenty action in the Championship today as well. West Brom ending their four-game winless run. They beat fellow promotion hopefuls Coventry 2-1. They remain third in the Championship now. Six points adrift of the top two. Blackburn have moved up to fourth there after a 1-0 win over their local rivals Preston. Uh, Sheffield United, they... uh, They have a new manager, Paul Heckenbottom, and he has two victories from his first two games in charge. They beat 10-man Cardiff 3-2 today. Millwall got a 3-1 victory over Birmingham to cut the gap on the playoff places. Bottom club Derby, poor old Derby and Wayne Rooney. um, They got deducted so many points and they're miles adrift at the bottom of the championship table. Uh, They lost 1-0 at Bristol City today. Barnsley were held to a one-all draw by Huddersfield and Luton eased to a 3-0 win at Blackpool. Middlesbrough won 1-0 at home to Swansea. Knott's Forest beat relegation threatened Peterborough 2-0 and Reading had a one-all draw draw with Hull. Elsewhere sports-wise today as well uh, in rugby 
uh, Ulster. They've lost 19 points to 13 to the Ospreys in their United Rugby Championship game in Swansea. The result means that Dan McFarlane's side are now third in the table there. And in golf, Rory McIlroy is six under par through two holes of his third round of the Hero World Challenge. And that leaves him five shots off the lead in the Bahamas. Bryson DeChambeau holds a one-shot advantage over the star-studded field there on 11 under. Now, uh, we're going to turn our attentions to Gaelic Games. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, it was... uh, a sad week in Cork GAA circles um, and in Cork sporting circles in general as the news broke during the week of the very, very sad passing of the legendary Cork hurler, Shawnee O'Leary. Shawnee was just aged 69 and uh, his funeral took place today as well and an absolute Cork legend and of course father of uh, our good friend Tomás O'Leary uh, who is a regular contributor to the show here as well. So our sincere condolences with Tomás and uh, all of Shawnee's family. Uh, Shawnee was, was, I mean, uh, his record is incredible incredible uh, as a hurler with Cork um, nine Munster titles four All-Ireland titles three All-Stars uh, he went on to be a selector for the 1999 uh, win as well over uh, under Jimmy Barry Murphy um, he was part of the three in a row side in the 70s that won three All-Ireland titles in a row he went on then almost a decade later to win another one in 1984 and uh, just a Cork sporting legend and a Cork hurling legend and a man who was on the team with him um, in that uh, 1984 season was of course another Cork hurling legend Tomás Mulcahy and Tomás Mulcahy joins us now and Tomás I suppose um, it's great to pay tribute to Shawnee O'Leary and we were all uh, quite shocked by the news during the week but um, thanks for joining us I suppose Tomás and it's just it's just a pity it's in such sad circumstances Yeah look um, a massive crowd at the, the, the funeral today and um, I suppose uh, all the former players all the former greats that I grew up watching and maybe played with a good few of them, them were all present you know and you're looking at the names like Jimmy Barry Murphy and Tom Cashman and John Fenton and Ray Cummins and Tim Crowley all these guys like the Chomney were the soldiers but for, for so many years were all present to, to pay their tributes because um, he was a fantastic man um, everybody would maybe talk about the hurling side of things and was very strong in the church today and kind of with the priest uh, how, how, how big a family man he was as well with these kids Tomas and Kieran and Aideen as well, you know, and I think that was an important message to get across as well, that, that he was a real family man. Yeah, we loved him from a hurling perspective. We loved him on the field to play, but he was a great guy off the field as well, Colin. Absolutely, and I suppose if we, if we, if we look back at, at some of his career and what a career it was with Cork, I mean, such longevity for starters, kind of 71 up to around 84, and I suppose um, he was kind of reaching the end of his playing days with Cork when you were kind of at the early days of your playing days Tomás yeah and look when, you, when, you, when you're involved in hurling and involved in the club like Lynn Rovers and the tradition that, that was there with Cork for, for over that period of time and you look at the great names that went through the, the, the hurling um, side of Cork things um, when you look at the trainer on you're sitting back as a young lad and you're watching this and you're watching those greats as I mentioned and you're watching the Sean O'Leary and you're saying someday Maybe I'll get the opportunity. I might get the chance, but that's that was always your boyhood dream that you would land out with a red jersey. And uh, I remember, I think uh, in 1983, I walked into um, a car dressing room below in uh, Kingsale, the Jack Barrett Field. Uh, it was a, a challenge game, Cork against Waterford. Seen a match, and I'd been brought back, up, brought up by Johnny Clifford to say, "Look, we watched the play number 21 with Cork. We, we liked what we saw. We're going to give you an opportunity." And then you walk into a dressing room, and there's. Jimmy Barney Murphy and Tom Cashman and Jarrett McCurpin and John Stinton and um, 
there's Sean O'Leary's sitting down in the corner over as well, like, you know, and you're looking at these guys and you say, my God, these are the boys I've been watching three in their own television, 75 other than 75, 79 other than 75. It could have been anything uh, with these guys. And um, like Sonny was brilliant, just, just brilliant. I mean, I just, I just love them as a player. Everybody, I think, some of you have probably seen all the, the, all the quotes, maybe on social media yeah. all week and stuff yeah. like that in terms of, like, it's not, it, was, it wasn't just about Cork, but people around the countryside, around the nation, around Ireland, were all passing comment on what they love to see, what they loved with Johnny, what they loved to see when he was playing the game. He had an unbelievable brain for hurling. Great vision. His touch was just incredible. And the clip, I suppose, that I was privileged to be involved in was, was 84, obviously. Most of the final day and all Ireland final day as well. Uh, yeah, huge tributes and I saw loads of them from, from yourself and as you say, right around Cork and right around the country on Twitter and, and all over social media during the week, Tomas, which was which was great to see for Shawnee. Um, you mentioned the three in a row there. I mean, that, that was phenomenal in, in the 76 to 78 and what a team it was and Shawnee was a huge part of that. Incredible, right? You know, and look, I mean, if you look at the, you look at the full forward line there of we say Sean O'Leary, Ray Cummins, and Charlie McCarthy, I'd say they give any the modern game uh, team players a run for their money because, um, like I was mentioned at the torch again today, um, by Tomasi uh, Shawnee's son, like, um, we all looked up to Ray Cummins. Ray Cummins was my hero growing up in terms of playing the big team. I thought he was just he was the Messi, he was he was the Ronaldo of hurling. Being honest, he was just brilliant, and then you had Shawnee alongside him, and they became great friends and great. Buddies after the game as well, off the field, right on. He was mentioned today, and he was there at the at, at the funeral as well, which was which was fantastic. And I'm sure a tough time for Ray as well because they were they were the best of buddies, best of buddies. But like that that three in a row was just incredible. I mentioned they were in another semi final in '75. Could have been either way. They were there again in '79. Could have been either way. So that team could have done five in a row. They were just that good. Absolutely fantastic. And you went on to mention '84. I mean, it's actually kind of um, it's such a tribute to him to, to kind of think that he was there in the, the 75 to 79 era with the three in a row in 76 to 78 and he was still there as you mentioned in 84 when you were there Tomas and I mean there's huge yeah. talk about 84 which is, which, is, which is kind of a decade later and in that season in 84 he got the winner in the Munster final he got two against Offaly in the final and they're three very memorable goals from him as well aren't they? Oh, absolutely. And look, I, I was kind of making comment about that as well because, like, I don't know what people would have realised it. Like, Shani had only one kidney, you know, so mm. he found training training was very, very tough. Um, I don't know where he'd be in the modern the, the modern area of training, but, like, back then, we didn't have any gyms. Um, our training was, OK, lads, uh, the old parky weave, the weight laps underneath the tunnel there, and uh, we'll have a look when you come back, right, you know. So, like, it was hard for Shani because I remember it. I was only a young lad. And I didn't like doing laps of the tunnel either. I, I felt that the 20 yard, one yard sprint was, <laughs> was, was, was part of my game. So somebody had to stay behind and mind him because Kevin Hennessy was like John, John Tracy. He was out the front. He was gone for the clappers, right? And <laughs> lap at us going around the tunnel and stuff like that and kind of shouting at us to come on. But like, but the big thing about it is like when you look back in the games and he, even the highlights of the goals, he didn't move outside the 21 yard line. Yeah. He didn't have to go outside the 21 yard line because his brain was working all the time. He was in the right place at the right time. He was reading the game. He was watching the break off the big man inside from forward. He was watching her off any comments. He was watching her off Jimmy Barry Murphy. And he knew exactly where to be, which was, which was a great thing for me to say about a corner forward. You don't have to be going out the way, away out the field to win the ball. You're not going to score out there. And like he used to give out again, uh, uh, to myself and Hensi at times like when he would see us wandering out lads back in here back in you're going out too far you know out too far you don't see too much of that in the modern area you know so I think he, I think that was 
one of the key events right for him and obviously scoring a goal I mean I don't know him, but the rumour was or the stories out there that we were five points down a lot of car yeah. people left Orlis in 84 they were gone on the train there were no mobile phones back then they were on the train back to Cork it was only back <laughs> in Cork when they found out Cork were after winning into Shani and some of the trip is coming in from the Tipperary guys mm. I was at that match he broke our hearts he broke our hearts he broke our hearts because they thought they had that much won they were Four starved seven to win a title and uh, Cork's still on him in the end and then obviously what he did in, in, in the final centenary final in Torlis and that was a big pressure game as well because Cork had lost 283 All-Ireland finals as well so we didn't want to be known as a team that was going to be losing three All-Ireland mm-hmm. finals in a row so it was a big pressure game and like Shani delivered big time for us he won us the, the Munster final and he won us the All-Ireland final as well no doubt in my mind Fantastic, and I mean, I, I just think that's incredible—the longevity that he was doing it a decade later. And um, if you look at his, his accolades, if you look at his honours, um, Tomas, I mean, he's nine Munster titles, he's four All Ireland, he's three All Stars, and a whole load of other things as well. It's it's a great record, isn't it? It's fantastic, uh, incredible record, and I think there's more to that as well, right? Because outside of it, when he finished, he did not that in terms of the coaching side of it. Yeah, he put an offer back, not back into the game as well. He won his two counties with Kelly he was involved with JBM in 1999 when they won the Ireland. Right. He was involved again, uh, I think, in 2004 or 2004, 2005. And um, so, like, he gave an awful lot back to the game as well. And like, that was that's why I'm saying he's a hurling brand. People loved having him on the sideline as well because he was able to read the game. And that's that, that was an important factor as well, right? You know, he knew just positional changes to make and the switches to make and stuff like that as well. And I think anybody that talks about him talks about about that as well. That outside of his playing career he delivered an awful lot from the sideline as well he certainly did as he said uh, in McKilly and then involved with uh, with the Cork team in 99 that won the All-Ireland final as well and I suppose uh, he kind of instilled a bit of sporting sporting prowess in, in, in his family as well because he, his influence obviously paid off on our good friend Tomás O'Leary as well because Tomás obviously won the, the minor title with Cork in 2001 and then he switched codes and changed to rugby but I mean that was obviously Shawnee's influence getting him involved in sport as well wasn't it? It was, it was, and, and Tomas spoke about that today in the church as well. And like he was very quick to point out as well, right? Yeah, he, he would have loved to see him maybe carry on the hurling. He was our, he was our before last year. He was our last Cork minor winning hurling captain. Mm-hmm. Um, he did take up the oval ball, but like he said, he got nothing but encouragement from his dad on that basis, right? That he was delighted that he was actually playing some sort of sport, right? Whether it was hurling or it was soccer or it was rugby, and uh, he supported them all the time in terms of his rugby career and. Uh, wasn't that he, he he was given out to him or anything because he packed up hurling. He, he he actually went with him and thought, yeah, yeah, well, I'd support you all the way. This is the game that you want to play. That's fantastic. And Tomas was very strong on that as well today. Brilliant. All right, listen, Tomas, thanks a million for joining us. Uh, as we said, sad circumstances, but nice to uh, to reflect and pay tribute to a court legend, Shawnee O'Leary, all the same. Okay, thanks, Colin. Cheers. Thank you. All right, uh, Tomas Mulcahy there on the sad passing of Shawnee O'Leary. Now we are going to turn our attentions to football next. And later on in the show, we'll hear from legendary Cork City manager and uh, legendary Cork City player as well, of course, John Caulfield. He's got a brand new book out for Christmas. So John will be joining us to chat about that and reflect on his career. Um, but a man who played under John Caulfield is, of course, Garrod Morrissey. He's been club captain at Cork City for the last couple of seasons. And during the week, a shock announcement from Garrod Morrissey on his 
his Twitter and Instagram that he is retiring from professional football. So Garrett Morrissey won't be playing for Cork City next season. It was part of a double announcement from Cork City that uh, both Garrett Morrissey and also Stephen Beatty, another Cork City legend, will be leaving the club and not playing for Cork City next season. So uh, Garrod, uh, only 30 years of age, but is retiring from League of Ireland football and uh, he joins me now to give us the background to all that. Uh, Garrod, thanks for joining us. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for having me, Colin. And I suppose uh, a lot of people will have been surprised by your big announcement during the week, um, retiring from League of Ireland football and walking away from Cork City. Is it something you've been thinking about for a while? Uh, yeah, look, to be honest, like uh, even even the words coming out of my mouth kind of kind of caught me by surprise. <laughs> you know that kind of, um, yeah. it was it was extremely difficult, and um, it took it wasn't it wasn't you know over even to say the course of a week or a month. It, it's been you know kind of well in a couple of months in thinking like that if if things didn't work out the way that I kind of was hoping all season that they might and um, uh, you know financially and, and budget wise and all that kind of stuff in terms of me suits, uh, to suit me personally um, I suppose um, I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't uh, you look Colin done his best for me and you know it's, uh, he offered me great contract everything you know it was very good but just in terms of where I'm at in my, in my life at the moment myself my wife um you know, we're we're just uh, we're just looking at we're looking at other other things, I suppose, and um, and in this moment in time, just financially and just in terms of long term security, um, it's just a decision we had to kind of make. And uh, look, broke my heart um, to be leaving the club and leaving the league. Uh, it's it's not something that you 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 not a not a, a decision you stumble upon. Like you know, it takes it takes a lot of thinking and um, and and that's look. Unfortunately, that's where I've I've uh, I've arrived and. Um, look, it is what it is, and look, I'm, I'm under no um, illusions either. Like I know they were in the first, Cork City are in the first division, and it's it, it is what it is. You know, it's um, it's an extremely difficult situation for Colin and the club, and he's he's doing a great job. And um, you know, going going forward, you know, I've I've no doubt he's going to bring him great great success. And um, it's just at this moment in time, it's just something that I can't commit to right now. You know. So it's more really, I suppose, of a, of a financial and a lifestyle decision than, than a footballing decision, Garrod. And you said you were hoping that things might have maybe worked out a bit different, differently. Is that in terms of maybe if, if the club had got promoted to the Premier Division, there'd have been Premier Division football, there'd have been more money in the club, the financial situation might have been better, and it might have been a, a different decision for you then? Yeah, exactly that. Um, look, and, you know, God rest them, you know, we were kind of, Trevor Hemmings was in the background and there was a possible takeover maybe happening. Um, when I signed this time last year, and um, you know, and they, they, you know, they, and then look, there's all the factors, the COVID, and there was there was a lot, there was a lot went on. But um, yeah, look, you, you try and you 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 kind of take the hit, and you say, look, we'll you know get back, like especially getting uh, demoted, like um, into the, the first division. I wanted to be part. I didn't want to be leaving the club in that situation. So I was like, look, no matter what happens, I need to stay in the rear to see can we do something. Um, and look, we nearly did. It was you know, I think. Colin done an unbelievable job with us, and only for the first phase of games, we just we just really didn't click. Um, it took us to the second and third, and if we started the way we did in the first, if we started the way in the second and third, if we started like that, we would have been made playoffs or, or possibly, you know, possibly done done even better. Like you know, um, so that was unfortunate. Like, um, 
club obviously in the first division now a world away from where it was for a lot of your time at the club but it's actually where the club was when you started with the club way back in around 2010 Gerard. Uh you achieved promotion with Cork City then in 2011 and you left and you went to Cambridge for a couple of years came back to City in 2016 and that was really the golden era then um, of your time at Cork City I suppose uh, the 2016 Cup final winning the Cup there neck and neck with Dundalk in the league and the following year going on to win the double and I mean that team some great players there John Caulfield as the manager um, they were great years really and I suppose looking at your footballing career they have to be the highlight Yeah look 100% um, we had like you were there you were there for most of it yep. you were there for all of it really I'd say it was, it was unbelievable you know the, the trips to Europe and um, you know the, the cup finals and the, the league runnings and um, I was saying earlier like if, if it wasn't for Dundalk we would have won the league four or five years in a row mm. when they won the cup four or five years in a row so look credit to Dundalk they were there and they, they um, you know it was us it was us and them for a long time and um, look we overcame them once or twice in terms of leagues and cups um, and you know they they done very they done very well obviously they're probably one of the greatest league of Ireland teams to ever you know to ever play and we were right there with them so um, look I, you know I take a lot of pride in that the fact that I was part of that team that um, you know achieved all that and like I was saying I was saying earlier there um you know, my brother Paul said to me, like, he was like, look, you can always look back and there's people who go through their careers and they don't have a medal to show for it, you know, so I'm extremely fortunate in um, the fact that I've had I've had European runs, I've had Champions League qualif- uh, qualification uh, games, I've, I've had leagues, I've had cups and, you know, and all, and all the other stuff that goes with it, so I'm extremely fortunate, so that is, you know, I've no doubt I'm going to miss it in a couple of weeks or when the lads start pre-season in January, you know, I know I'll be, I'll be kicking myself in a way, like, you know, but... Um, look, at least I have that to come for me to know the fact that look, I have their medals in my pocket, and you know they'll they'll uh, come for me in some way. Uh, we mentioned actually that you went to Cambridge briefly in between your spells at Cork City. Cork City, obviously your only League of Ireland club. And just an interesting little tidbit on the Cambridge thing is that you made your debut against Manchester United at Old Trafford. So that's something you can look back on in your career always as well as a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, that was um, you know that was massive, and it was you know I've. It opened up a totally new world of football to me, to be honest. I've never been exposed to anything uh, on that scale in terms of, you know, the build-up to the game. And, you know, it was, it was a massive eye-opener. And, it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something now that, like I was saying earlier there, there to another guy, um, they, you know, I remember John Coffey always going on about the medals and, you know, the, the experiences in football. And you don't really realise how much they matter until you're done and, it's now like in the likes of the Man United game and you know the medals we won and stuff. It's 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 lo- and and the friends I made and the ex- like. To be fair, like you know, there's ups and downs of football and um, you know it can be extremely tough. But the laughs and the crack you have along the way are um, you know they're priceless. And and then when we can add success to that, uh, you know you're onto a winner there. And um, I've had that. So look, I'm I'm extremely grateful for the career I've had. Um, and look, I uh, I've. I look back on it now, and um, at this at this stage, when I'm kind of hanging up my boots professionally, when I look back, I'm I'm delighted I was there and that I I did give it everything, and that um you know I can walk away from it knowing that look I left everything out there for the club and for myself and my family and everyone you know so I'm um, look I'm a proud Corkman and I'm I'm delighted I got to represent the club and like we've been through an unbelievably difficult spell in these last two seasons mm. and look I was there to captain them and there was a lot of young lads needed a bit of guidance and stuff so I'm, I'm very proud that I was there to be able to help them along the way as well Absolutely and John Caulfield is actually on the show with us as well tonight later on talking about his new book Rebel Heart and we're chatting to John about um, I suppose those years and how great they were 
and the support from the, the Cork people and how the fans got behind Cork City in those years and there was huge crowds there and that's been the way all the time through your Cork City career Garrod and you were always a very popular player amongst the supporters and I suppose even we could even see it last season even though the club was in the first division after the crowds came back after Covid there was still two or three thousand people there so I mean the support I suppose you've had and the teams have had the various teams you played for with Cork City down through the years has been superb hasn't it? Ah uh, look I know not different like um I've never, I've never been a part of even. I remember start, like starting out when you know when the club got liquidated, came back as Cork City Forest Co-op, and our first games then in the first division when we, we you know we strung a team together like there was there was nobody you know getting a bus to, getting a a mini bus to Derry up and down <laughs> the same day you know two people per seat you know so like yeah. I was there for all of that like and um, the support we had throughout was phenomenal like you know it's it's breathtaking and you know there's you know. I I totally understand and I know the ins and outs of when people say we're the biggest club in the country and it's it's it is a fact like you know there's there's nobody could have been in the depths the way we were in terms of going from top to bottom and still have massive support and like the gate is still is still up there with the biggest in the country even though we were mid table in the first division you know so like you know that's that's credit to the Cork people and and I've, I've throughout my whole career I've always said it even like from the likes of yourself and you know the businesses around Cork and the way people get in behind you and support you is, um, it's second to none and it's uh, you know it's it, it's it, warm, it would warm your heart you know just to know that you know the, the Cork people are always kind of there for you They're, the, the commu- it's almost like a community feel to it um, you know, I know it's the whole city, but there's there's a there's a, a lovely intimate feel about it, and I think it's fantastic. And you know, it's something that I'll always look back on and be and be grateful to the people of Cork for. Absolutely, um, it really, really is great. And I know this is probably a very stupid question. I think I know the answer to this, Gerard. But will you be one of those supporters at every Cork City game next season now? I will, hundred percent. And um, look, the, yeah, I can't wait for that now as well. You know, that's something I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, to to go to go to the cross and you know see all the friendly faces that I, I met along the years and um, you know be at the game with them and cheer on the lads. Uh, that's something I really look forward to. And another thing I would like to say is that um, you know just credit to Stephen Beatty there the, for what he's done. You yeah. know, a Dublin a Dublin man coming down to Cork and to to you know take over the city the way he did. And you know he, he he's captured everybody's hearts and imaginations. He's you know he's a hell of a guy and he's had an unbelievable career at Cork. And um, you know I think we. We all need to get behind him and wish him the best in whatever he decides to do next because, um, you know, fantastic guy. Definitely, and we'll be chatting to Stephen Beatty to Beats uh, on the show as well over the next week or two uh, to chat about his time at Cork City because uh, it is big news with uh, two two real kind of integral parts of Cork City's success over the last five years or so. Uh, Garrett Morrissey and Stephen Beatty both leaving the club this week. So, Garrett, just finally, um, I suppose, like, uh, it, the, the retirement announcement took a lot of people by surprise because you're only 30. So, yeah. and you said in your statement that you feel you still have a lot to give. Is it that you you wanted to retire from League of Ireland football? You didn't really fancy playing for another League of Ireland club, and you, you might just play now, maybe a bit of Munster Senior League or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. There's that. Look, I've, I'm I'm too. Look, I'm at the club. I'm at the club long enough, and the last thing I wanted to do, um, particularly last season when I I could have went up the country, and you know this season I could have tried something as well. But um, I, I literally have no interest. And you know when I had my when I had a talk with Colin and. Colin's been fantastic with me. You know, he's he's really one of the the gems in in the in the game. You know, we're lucky to have him in the league. Um, you know, and he he looked after me and he kind of just whatever I whatever I wanted to do, he was happy to support me. And look, that's something I'm very grateful for because he, if I wanted to play for Cork, he was happy to back me. And if 
And if I wanted to go another direction and look like I have done, he, he's still he's still there supporting me. So that's something I'm very grateful for. And um, you know, it's uh, it's you know, it's credit to him to be fair. Great stuff, Gerald Marcy. Um, I was going to say Cork City captain. I'd have to say former Cork City captain now at this stage, I suppose. But Gerald, I suppose, just from our perspective here, um, uh, uh, both from a professional's perspective and from a, a Cork City supporter perspective, I suppose, thanks for everything over the last couple of years. And I think that uh, I speak for all Cork City fans that you that you were a, a wonderful asset to the club for many years and a great ambassador for the club as well. So thanks for that, Gerald. Thanks a million, Con, to yourself and to all Red FM for the support throughout the years. It's um you know, you've been, you've always been fantastic with me, and uh, something that I'll, I'll appreciate for a long time. Thank you. Great stuff, Garo. Thanks for joining us, and best of luck. I know you're away for the weekend, so enjoy the weekend away, and best of luck for the future as well. All right. Appreciate it, Con. Thanks a lot for having me. And as we mentioned there, John Caulfield, his new book, Rebel Heart. John, of course, who managed Garrod as well. We're going to be talking to John Caulfield after the break. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. So I'm delighted to say we're joined in studio by a Cork City legend as a player and a manager, a man of uh, many records with Cork City, the, the highest goal scorer, highest record appearances, and of course, the most successful manager. And he's got a brand new book out. It is, of course, John Caulfield that we're talking about and his brand new book I have it here in front of me it's Rebel Heart and it's in all good bookstores around Cork now and John joins us in studio and uh, John congrats on the book yeah Cullum uh, yeah thanks it's been uh, it's been great um, obviously it's a Cork City book you know um, you know I was, I, as I keep saying I was very fortunate to end up you know in the club and end up with some fantastic players and uh, you know I joined in 86 and um, you know fantastic experience and I suppose what I was trying to capture in the book is the stories of all the lads that I would have played with obviously the people that would have supported the club you know from 84 onwards and um, you know all the way through up to the time I finished with the club in in, uh, 2000 and obviously then um, my managerial years which of course people would be more familiar with but uh, at the same time you know there's plenty of um, trips where we had we went to Moscow and Galatasaray and Bayern Munich and Slavia Prague. So there's great European adventures yeah. and uh, and great players that I played with. And um, so hopefully they they they'll all have a good read and enjoy those memories. And uh, and really all all the, all the city heads will, will will read it and it'll bring back hopefully uh, fond memories for them. Fond memories down through many years, John. And I was reading through bits of it last night, and it kind of struck me that. Your career at Cork City had actually spanned a few different generations of supporters, really, in terms of a player and a manager, I suppose. Um, and there's people who'll be reading it who'll be like, as you say, the, the older guys you played with and people who supported it in the era of the late 80s, early 90s, uh, mid 90s and so on. Um, then the, the, the kind of people who kind of maybe started the later 90s and then the younger cohort, I suppose, who started supporting the club, maybe because of the success that you had as a, as a manager so it's it's a huge spread of supporters so there's something in it there for everyone in every age range of Cork City supporters and some great stories Yeah and I think that's what we are trying to capture because you know Colm it's a story really of you know at the time where you know the club were in, in difficulty they started into League of Ireland it was very difficult they found themselves at the bottom of the table mm. and ultimately it was building the club up and how over the years we became into a really strong forceful club you know so it's just trying to bring back those memories and just showing you know that 93 the team won the first first league and um, you know it was an incredible experience because goal difference didn't count and went to playoff games and we we we, we in the end got the better of Shelburne and Bohemians after a long campaign and then towards the end of my career then you know had been 12-13 years in the League of Ireland I hadn't won a cup medal had been beaten in, in three finals and it looked like you know that 
you know, you weren't going to win the FAI Cup. And then 1998, Derek Collin getting the header beating shells. I remember being behind the goal for that. It was brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. brilliant. Fantastic. I, I, yeah. It was fantastic. And, you know, then obviously it, it moves on to, you know, the period of 214 to 219 and obviously the double winning year and, you know, winning the cup and getting the four cup finals. And, you know, so, um, but, you know, hopefully for, for even the modern or the newer supporter, they'll enjoy the old stories as well. I think they will, John. As I said, I was reading some of it last night. There's some great stories in it. And for me, as a, as a Cork City supporter, I suppose growing up through the 90s and seeing the the success he had some of the years in the 90s and, and the kind of, as you said, the heartbreak in the middle of the 90s with the club as well, it brings back some great memories. And uh, it's fantastic to reminisce and all of that. But um, as you mentioned, some of the European trips, some great stories over the years, got some great places like some Moscow off to Russia. I think you said that none of the lads had ever been to Russia before in their life so that was a bit of an experience against uh, Torpedo Moscow and was that your first European one? Yeah it was the first one for the club um, we got in on the back of Derry winning the treble and we ended up in Moscow and it was before the Iron Curtain so we were staying very close to Red Square um, communism was, was huge in the country and um, well, I remember going there nowadays. You certainly weren't go- weren't <laughs> going to go there in those days, you know. But um, you know the ruble and staying in staying in um, you know one of the biggest hotels in Europe at the time. But we had a fantastic trip to Moscow. It was an experience because it was certainly a place you weren't going to be rushing back to visit again. And um, but it was a great you know, great memories. And uh, I think on the day we the day we got beaten five 0 by an army team torpedo Moscow. But um, it was a good ex- <laughs> it was a good experience for us. I call them. Uh, you mentioned the Bayern Munich one as well. Obviously, that's that's the famous one I suppose Dave Barry getting the goal it was in Musgrave Park that game the home leg and then he went with a one-all draw over to Munich to take on the mighty Bayern Munich and um, I suppose it, it was a different time so there was probably a bit more socialising involved John and Nolan yeah. Manning the manager at the time he said go out lads and have two drinks but it was Oktoberfest wasn't it? It was and it was, in, it was, it was you know just like music to our ears Colin, because uh, you, you know Bayern Munich were they claimed they were the biggest club in the world at the time and the Germans do everything so right and they brought us around their training ground and they, yeah the Oktoberfest was on and we were allo- we were allowed to go out and Noel said you know we'd go out and for a couple of hours and the Bayern Munich big massive coach came to pick us up and brought us out and um, you know Noel didn't realise that there was no such thing as pints it was pitchers at the time and um, <laughs> and uh, a number of hours la- hours later he was he was trying to get us out of the place and um, there was a great sing song going on but um, you know it, it was one of those times you, you, you know it was it was the culture the way it was yeah. and and not that I suppose did you know any better it was just the way you know and we all trained every you know three times four times a week and but it's a different time which is fantastic memories and um you know on the Bayern Munich game Boris, Boris Becker was there and obviously nil all at half time away and um you know we only needed a goal to progress obviously they were expected to hammer us and in the end we lost 2-0 but it was um an, an incredible experience and like a huge part of the book is all those great stories from down through the playing days right up to when you retired from playing I suppose in 2001 you decided to call it the day at that stage John um, were you kind of thinking about that for a couple of years beforehand or was it just kind of you kind of just said look this is this is it I think I want to move on to coaching now yeah I suppose Colin, I'm not really emotional in, in that regard um, my time had come um, the legs weren't going as fast as I wanted wanted them to and so you know, it was in my head. 
So I'd done my coaching badges very quickly and then I went into obviously non-league with Avondale, UCC and it was, it was really a fantastic experience and really um, I learned so much, I made so many mistakes it helped me so much when I eventually got to take over City in 2014 I think you did 8 years at Avondale, was it 3 or 4 years at UCC as well then was it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that brought you up to, to 2013 2014 as you said and that was time to go to Cork City then, it was you were going back home to Cork City and I think you were the popular choice that time for the manager, I think fans really reacted well to you being appointed as manager and that was reflected in, in straight away the crowds were up when the season started yeah. everyone was behind that team yeah. that year and as you said it went to the last day of the season up in Dundalk which nobody would have expected I mean before that year the Cork City be up there challenging and that was the start then of a real five years of yourselves at Dundalk battling it out top of the league the two top two every year and uh, a lot of cup finals afterwards as well so yeah. did you foresee like a rivalry like that ever coming together uh, between Cork City and Dundalk and two teams dominating for so long no not at all and, and I keep saying that you know the 214 season was just one of those incredible seasons Roy the Rovers and you end up in the last game of the season and then 215 came and we went to the cup final we finished second again 215 was a bigger learning experience because Dundalk had kicked on and I realised mm. and we had realised as a management team God we're not going to compete unless we make massive changes and at the end of 215 even though it was only our second year we decided to make seven or eight personal changes in the team and that was really really tough because there was a lot of players that we were, we were asking or, or more or less saying look at, we're not going to give you a contract next season and we were bringing in new players and Baldwin Brown came in yeah. Maguire came in uh, Dooley came in and it was it was just you know I suppose and building a new team for 216 that we felt could compete with Dundalk and, and we felt in that year we had a team that was going to be close and obviously that was a team that had won the cup in 216 we were we were second in the league and then obviously 217 the double you know it was you think we, we you know even you look back and at the time you know I, I, I wouldn't even think about it because I was just so focused on the next match but you look back at it back on it and you think that the opening 22 games of your season and you win 21 you know I didn't have to send into the lads it was just they were just going out and, and it wasn't that there was no arrogance about them but they just had that confidence that they were just going to beat everyone and they weren't just going to beat everyone they're going to win by 2-0, 3-0, 4-0 and that's what they did and it was just a phenomenal time you know It was and I think they, they had that bit of swagger didn't they that as you say they just didn't believe they were ever going to lose a game and then they just thought they were going to win every game in that, that, that early part of 2017 and that was probably set up by the by the win of the cup I suppose at the end of 2016 and I mean that was a phenomenal moment and that was obviously a moment that stands out for you John in your whole Cork City career it's mentioned in the book um, of both the player and the manager I mean it was the last last kick of the game pretty much nearly last yeah. in injury time and Stephen Beattie had the throw Shawnee turned got the goal and I think you ran half the pitch celebrating then <laughs> yeah I think do you know what I think it was there are moments in, in, in your career whether it's playing or managing and that year 216 from the minute the President's Cup game happened and we beat Dundalk in the first President, in the President's Cup of 216 you could see we were close mm. but you need for that inner confidence for players for management for team you need to win that trophy and that's why there's no doubt Cullum if we didn't win that that day we would not have won the double the next yeah. year that day the confidence because 
the team were badly dented in the league because we were neck and neck in the league and we ended up playing a, a crucial game against Dundalk mm. on a Tuesday night with four games to go after being in Galway on the Saturday and Shawnee having to play with the Irish on 21 team on the Friday mm. it was his third game of four, yeah. four or five days and we were not happy about that but that, we had to you know Kevin O'Connor as well with Shawnee in particular and in Dundalk that night he was really you know his energy levels were, were so low and we felt a, a bit that you know Dundalk had been in the Europa, Europa League the fixtures were going in their favour mm. and and um, and these things happen but at the same time you know as Cork City manager I wasn't happy about it but it was out of my control and we felt the league was there for us because we we had beaten them twice that season earlier on and in the end it just slipped away in the last couple of games and that's why the cup was such a massive massive game for us and um, it was fitting because you know Mark Sullivan who had played a massive role for us yeah. in the club for, for the previous couple of years he'd come on Shawnee wasn't having one of his greatest games but you always banked on him that he might get one chance and he got that chance in the last game of the game and happy days Colin You're back up there a year later than 2017 after winning the league John you mentioned that that phenomenal run at the start of the season Shawnee had gone to Preston at that stage along with Kevin O'Connor yeah. and uh, he got over the line won the league eventually um, against Derry in, in the cross that night I think it was a Tuesday night as well wasn't it and uh, then at the cup final uh, another win I mean obviously the league win was special but to cap it on top of, uh, of a league win with a cup and two cups in a row and two cups and a league in a space of 12 months it was fantastic and it was something Cork City had never ever done before and I mean it sparked huge celebrations everywhere and it was really the pinnacle I think of uh, a pinnacle of the club in the history really isn't it yeah and I think the big thing Cullum was was that Shawnee and Kevin had left and we knew that and while Shane Griffin had come in for Kevin and you know it was much more difficult to replace Shawnee mm. we brought Kieran Sadler in from Sligo but Sads was more of a winger and we had been we had been flirting with um, Shep Carol Shepherd through the centre as well and we had of course um, H Camping uh, also um, but the thing about the, the league you know we were always going to win the league but there was a bit of a stutter after Shawnee went but still we had won the league with a couple of games to go and bringing the two trophies back to Cork that's special isn't it it was the I suppose Colm that's really what it was about and that's ever since I became manager and you talk about it it was going around to the schools going around to the clubs seeing kids in the street wearing the gear and and going into Grand Parade and seeing 10,000 people on a beautiful November's night seeing the two trophies or even the year before in 2016 to me that's really what it was all, always about you know that you're, the team were part of the city and the community because that's what a team is about it's not about any individual it isn't about you know uh, you know any top player or anything it's about is a team for the people, for the city, for the county, for the community, and going back that they can enjoy. And I always feel that, you know, you win the trophies in November, it means that going into Christmas, they have a good Christmas. And um, it was just incredible. But um, all I think back about is that, you know, the memories and what a fantastic time I had and what great, a great time I had. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's, that's the way it is. And that's why I brought out the book. I'd been honest with you, I never, until I took over Galway, I never... I suppose realise how much I actually missed going out training people and, and trying to make them better and um, it's a different experience it'll never be City because City is part of my life and I wanted to put it in the book and um, 
and um, you could, you know I suppose that's why I'm hoping that um, people get a great read, o- read out of it and they enjoy the stories I think they will I think there's some great stories in there John it's absolutely fantastic it covers the, the whole of your city career and your city legacy um, as a player and a manager I mean the city's always your club you're still there watching the club uh, and supporting the club even though even though you're managing an opposition team now at the moment yeah. um, it's probably a tough question to put you on the spot at the, at the end of the interview now and I, I know you're involved with Galway obviously do you ever see yourself back at Cork City in any capacity maybe I'm not necessarily saying as a manager but in, in some yeah. capacity at the club yeah well I, I definitely wouldn't be a manager again mm. you know I think I've done my time it's been fantastic um, I think you know if you're asking me like my home is West Cork you know would I at some point uh, have some role in, in the club um, certainly that's something that you know may happen you know yeah. um, at some point you look at different things there's been lots of talk about takeovers and you know new consortiums and um, you know I spoke to a number of consortiums at different clubs when I was out of football and um, you know League of Ireland football is going to become very popular I think with takeovers because I think there's massive potential there um, so that's something potentially that, that could happen you know down the road thankfully for me I got back into football Galway had been really really good for me um, you know I'm trying to it's unfortunate that City and Galway are in the same division but at the same time um, you know I, I, would, I, would I see it some time down the road that something with City might come up um, outside a manager and that it might be involved that, that could happen Column, um, but I, I definitely wouldn't see myself come back to manage mm. I think that's done the great John Caulfield thanks a million to John for joining us in studio to chat about his new book Rebel Heart in all bookstores around Cork now a great read if you want a good sporting book this Christmas that is us out of time for this evening Rory's here tomorrow evening and Stevie G is on the way The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM